0: Hello. The thing about, um, one of the things about communion is that it gives us the opportunity to stop, pause, reflect, to consider and think about our lives and obviously think about what Jesus has done for us. And I think that it is wise to pause it is wise to stop it is wise to reflect because sometimes we can carry on doing the same thing again and again without actually questioning it evaluating it and often we can want something else to happen but we're doing the same thing. And uh, someone once said, I don't know who it was, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And so sometimes we just need to stop and think and consider and reflect and weigh up and question. We won't always like what we find. Sometimes we'll reflect on things and we'll look back and we'll go, Wow, that was marvelous. That was wonderful. And other times we will reflect on things and think, "Oh, stuff. I'm in trouble, or I've been doing this and it's and it's wrong." And and I, I just want to be really honest with you. I I <laughs> I recognise my tendency is to be selfish. My tendency is to think. How does this, whatever this is, whatever the this is, whatever happens, what, how does this affect me? How does it impact me? Does it, how does it make me feel? Well, sometimes I'm, I'm a little bit more generous, but actually it's still being really selfish. How does it affect, impact people that I love and care about? You know, my nearest and dearest. If it affects me, that's one thing. If it affects them, that's really important. But, you know, sometimes people over there, situations over there, you hear the news, you hear the story, and actually it doesn't impact us. But when something impacts us, well then it's the most important thing, it's the biggest thing, Everybody else should know about it, and everyone should feel exactly the way I'm feeling about it. I don't know if it's just me, or whether any of you can, you know, if it's just ringing any, any bells. You know, I, I am, if I'm not careful, I am the centre of the universe. I am the centre of the world. I'm the centre of all my relationships. I make it all about me. Me, me, me. And I've been educated in the Western world. Um, I've been educated in individualism, where the most important thing is what I think, what I feel, what my opinion is. It's all about me. I've been trained by this fallen world to value my independence, my self-reliance. That's what's shaping me and influencing me. That's the message I fall for. But the thing with Jesus is that he leads me, he leads us into a different way, a different way of life, a different way of thinking about uh, things, a completely different operating system to the world that gives us it's not about me. It's not about me. That's the truth. It's not about me and it's not about you. Sorry about that. Sorry to burst your bubble. But it is about God. It is about the God who creates, who cares, who loves, who seeks out, who calls and and finds and includes, and welcomes, and forgives, and graces, and enables, and empowers, and sends out. It's about him. It's about him, and his purposes, and his plans, and his kingdom, and his church. It's his church. It's not about me, and it's not about you here's a, uh, I think a, a typical God conversation that goes on okay so imagine God speaking it could be to you it could be to someone else it goes goes something like this hello I want you I want you I want you to be part of my family I want to adopt you I love you very much and I want you to be part of what I'm doing and what I'm planning. I want you to belong and I want you to receive all the benefits of belonging to my family. And because you're part of the family, I want you to become inwardly changed that you start behaving like my family. As, as God's children, as my children, says God, I want you to start behaving in lines with my character, my goodness, my mercy, my love, my generosity. That's what I want for you. I want you to be just like me. I want through you, through you individually, but through you as a lot, as my body the church i want you to make me known in all sorts of ways but i want to be glorified through you that the world may know that i'm so good and full of love and i've died for you all those things that's what he wants for us peter in his first letter says that we were once we were once not a people but now we are the people of god the people of God. We're God's people. And it says before that, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. You are God's special possession. Just let that one sink in deeply. You are God's special possession but of course not only are you and you are God's special possession but so is me and the person sitting next to you and the person opposite you we are God's special possession we belong to God that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light That's who we are. That's um, in Peter. And then in in the book of Micah, it says this. He has shown you, O mortal, O man, O woman. He's shown you what is good and what does the Lord, what does Yahweh require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before or with your god walk with god he wants relationship with us a relationship that spills out to other people you know when when we're self-centered life gets small cuz it's all about me it's all about me and what i want and because of that we get ourselves and other people into all sorts of trouble, problems, stress, aggro, because they haven't done it like I wanted it done, or when I wanted it done. or you know, All sorts of stuff pours out of us when we're focused on ourselves. But when we are, rather than being self-centred, God-centred, Jesus centred then true life in him it expands it grows we can know joy and peace and love and grace and mercy and kindness in all sorts of circumstances and situations because we're not focused on them and how they are making us feel but we are focused on him And his purposes and his mission. Why am I here, Lord? What is it you want me to do? How do you want me to partner with you? How do you want to work in me and through me to bring about a change in this situation or circumstance? Do you want me to bring peace and joy? Do you maybe a godly rebuke? I don't know, but God, what do you want me to do in partnership with you? Not running ahead of you. Not lagging behind you, but in partnership with you. self centeredness tends to shut out the needs of others. We don't want to know about other people's problems, about other people's circumstances, about the difficulties they have. Because if I know about their stuff, how am I going to cope? How am I going to cope with my feelings of guilt? How am I going to cope with, with that thing of oh, what could I do or what should I do? Oh, so if I don't expose myself to knowing about it, then I can live happy that it's got nothing to do with me. It's none of my business. Am I really my brother's keeper? But God centeredness tends to open us up to the needs of others. We notice people, we care about people. We, like Jesus, can be moved with compassion. And that Greek word compassion, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. It, sometimes translators put it as he was moved with anger. There's something wrong here. There's an injustice here. It's not right. I'm going to do something about it. So there's that sense of compassion and care for the person involved. And then the anger of the evil that is causing this thing to happen it needs to change it can't stay like this somebody's got to do something about this God will you do something about this God says yes through you through you through my church I'm going to do something about it now all that I'm saying now really is by way of introduction to us thinking about the persecuted church so um, not that long ago, Mike, who's not here today, he sent me an email and he said, I think you'll find this interesting. And it was an article in The Times, and of course I'm always reading The Times. No, no, no. Mike does. But that's probably why he brought it to my attention. It says this, the West must wake up to North Korea's war on Christianity. North Korea, under the, this is what it says, North Korea, under the brutal dictatorship of King Jong-un, is no place to be a practicing Christian. Anyone caught espousing their religious beliefs is liable to execution, usually by firing squads. The alternative is anything from 15 years to life in a prison camp where torture, beatings, sleep deprivation are routine. A belief in Jesus in Christianity is deemed a political crime a lethal charge in a country that crushes dissent. This is the Times, okay? Times reporting something. And it says, the latest international religious freedom report from the US State Department details the plight of Christians. It includes the case of a two-year-old boy sentenced to life in prison camp after his parents were discovered with a Bible bible holding is classified as a serious crime in their home so they were in their home they had a bible in their home that's a serious crime the entire family were jailed under the regime's policy (laughs) of collective punishment it's claimed that as many as 70,000 christians out of a um, christian population of 400,000 so i can't do the percentage but they're in prison so it's less than a quarter but a lot of Christians are in prison. No wonder the US has designated North Korea as a country of particular concern, a category for those that engage in severe violations of religious freedom almost every year since 2001. It, that, the article goes on. Now, I, I have been aware, I am aware, over the years of the persecuted church. However, you know, I can forget I cannot remember. I can get on with my own life and forget that there are brothers and sisters in Christ going through really difficult, challenging times because they've got a Bible or they say Jesus is Lord or I believe in Jesus. And as I think about personally being selfish, it strikes me that, and I don't mean this in a judgmental or a critical way, just factual, really. The church in the West, particularly like America, the UK, we're pretty selfish. We're pretty caught up with ourselves. We so imagine that um, there's Josh. No, he's a nice boy. He's a nice boy. But I just sort of, now yeah, you've, you've got to act this out because I won't be able to do it to right. you because you're too strong. But I like, take your hand, I start crushing your hand, I'm squeezing you and I'm looking at you, and I'm intimidating you, and I'm calling your names, and, uh, you know, and I'm just treating you badly, and you can't, you know, I'm not going to let you do that if you say that, you're not going to go to work if you say anything about Jesus, like, so just you make sure, I'm giving him a good squeeze, like, he's brought to his knees, but I'm giving him a good squeeze, okay, a squeeze, so that is what, what, none of you care? None of you have jumped up to protect him. Shout at me, speak out to me. Right, let's go. Just get on the floor. There you go, right before him. Lay on the floor, Josh. I want to stamp on you. And just say, then, I've squeezed his hand a little bit, but just say, and intimidate him a little bit, and call him names a little bit. Let's say I just smash his foot with a sledgehammer. I smash him. Now, let, let Josh be a picture of the church. Being squeezed, being intimidated, being talked to badly, being having his foot smashed. So imagine your left foot is smashed. Would your right foot care? Would your head care? If I smashed your foot, would the rest of your body be bothered or would you just carry on walking as if nothing happened, just dragging your leg along. What would you do in the natural? Hmm? Go to Nanny or get, or get prayer. <laughs> but, but you would, your whole body would be saying, I've been smashed. If someone's intimidating you, squeezing you, telling you at work, you weren't allowed to talk about Jesus, you weren't allowed to pray for your friends, you weren't allowed to do that, You'd be squeezed, you would know about it, wouldn't you? It would mean a lot to you. Thanks, Josh. You can. <laughs> There's something wrong when we don't care about other parts of the body of Christ being squeezed and being smashed. There's something wrong. Well, we, we, may, we could say, well, I don't know. Like, I don't see it. I don't know. It's not in my face. And so what I want to do is um, is just challenge our hearts. Now, today, persecuted church, but it could be all sorts of things about Jesus, about his church, about his body. Do we really care? Are we really bothered? Do we see a bigger picture? Do we care about his church and not only about his church, but the, the mission that his church has been asked to do, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus on planet Earth and share the good news in words and in deed. So how can we find out about, find out about and support persecuted Christians? Well, you know, if you, if you look on the internet, it says that more than 360, wait for it, 360 Million, there are 360 million persecuted Christians who suffer oppression, discrimination. They're either being squeezed or they're being smashed. So the Church of Jesus is being squeezed and smashed. Are we more concerned about ourselves? Going back to my revelation, I'm pretty selfish, really. So open doors. Open Doors is a um, helps persecuted Christians in over 60 countries. They've been doing that for more than 60 years. They supply Bibles, provide emergency release, help persecuted believers stand uh, f- there with them for long term. Uh, in in the UK and Ireland, Open Doors helps to encourage the church to speak out for Christians who risk their lives following Jesus. Open Doors and if we've got time, we'll have a quick look at that. Release International, they support persecuted Christians in 30 countries around the world, prayerfully, pastorally, practically. They help raise the voice of the persecuted church and give them tools that they need to live for Jesus. Oh. They also support pastors, Christian prisoners and their families, supplying Christian literature, Bibles, and working for justice find them on the website um barnabas fund provides aid to christian minorities who experience discrimination injustice violence persecution because of their faith their faith faith they work in over 80 countries through churches and frontline christian organizations then there's christian solidarity there are more i'm just highlighting four Christian uh, Solidarity Worldwide, a non-profit human rights organisation, specialising in freedom of religious beliefs, and they work in 25 countries. Um, and they are—they're th- an advocacy um, organisation with the sole, f- like it's about freedom for religious beliefs that you—the United Nations have given accreditation to. So th- there's loads more. There's, um, you know. I just want you to think about Jesus Church. It would be overwhelming if you read all the websites, if you found out all the information, but one one website, one country might make all the difference uh, to you, to help you pray, to help you give, to help you be informed. So we're going to look at the Open Doors website, please, Nita. So um, there you go. There's the... We'll come on to the world watch list in just a moment. But first, just want to watch a quick video. The uh, Apostle Paul writes to the church in Romans and says, like, Weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And so um, it's sort of getting alongside each other in that expanse of what the church is not ty- turning a blind eye to the need, but to what we want. Uh, are you able to go back to the website, Nita? Try. Thank you. So, um, if, if you jo- so every year, um, uh, Open Doors publish a watch list of the top 50 countries, and that sometimes changes. North Korea has been number number one, but I think, if my memory serves me right it was Af- Afghanistan leaped into number one because some terrible things happened. But as we saw, they went back down to nine and stuff like that. Other countries, good. If, if, you, if God gives you a heart a particular country and you start praying for them, and then you see that country go down the list, I mean, they're still on the, on the list, or they might pop out of the list, but you sort of think, oh, wow. Now, the thing is this, it's not praying that persecution stops, but it's praying that the church is the church bold, enabled, encouraged, equipped to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to witness and to pray for those enemies that are persecuting them. Um, if you just go down, I think it's a little bit neater, please. On, click click, explore, please. Explore and fire. And then just go down a little bit so we can see the map. Okay. And then it's got there, 2003, there the ranking. So you can click on that you can look at the, uh, the country of your choice, read about it, find out about it. They'll end with uh, some information for you to pray. Just click on number one for me, North Korea, and then you can just see. And then it will give you a story, it will tell you about someone, it will give you a video, give you information so that you can pray about it. Um, I know that in Release International, they really encourage writing letters to prisoners things like that so there are things that we can do uh, to expose ourselves to this and and in a sense it's not the church is persecuted they're not the the persecuted church we are the persecuted church if we open up our eyes and our ears and share with them if you get what i'm saying so they're, they're, we are part of the same church, the same body of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the head. And we're, we are part of this, which is so much, much, much bigger than us. But every local church is an expression of Jesus. But there's the, in the spirit, we are one in Christ. So I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty beat you up or anything like that I'm saying it to equip strengthen and encourage you to be about something of the father's uh, business in loving his church and so it's great that when we love each other here and you know Jesus uh, or they will know they will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another and that's great on a local level but let's make it on an international level that we love his church. Now, Jesus said in Ephesians to husbands, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And in that, I separate church, love the church, love each other as Christ loves the church. And so um, I'm going to pray and then just going to, we need to go and get our children, those of us that have got them. But if you want prayer, and uh, you're going, oh no, but you just said I can't be selfish. But we need to be equipped, strengthened, encouraged. So if there's an, an issue that you need prayer for, if you, if you want God to touch your heart, if you recognize, I've got a really hard heart, I don't even care about the persecuted church, but I, I want God to soften me, then come and get some prayer. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your church. We thank you for the mission and the purpose and the call of your church and we thank you that by your grace we are part of your church. We are your children and you are our father and you are our Lord and so Lord would you do something in us that cares about your church, that loves your church. Would you help us, we pray, in our weakness, in my weakness in my selfishness, will you help me to be more and more Jesus-centred so that I look with your eyes, with your passion, with your compassion and with your holy anger, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.